Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday women share personal stories of God's love. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today we have a listener favorite episode that several of our Storytellers Lab communities voted on, and it's Allie's story. That's right. Allie's story was originally aired last November of 2020. It's episode 111. And I'm telling you, when we recorded Allie's story, we were able to do it face to face with her. And she just gives you a wonderful glimpse of eternity. And I think that you're going to learn a lot from her story as well as just be encouraged in your walk of faith. So here's Allie. And before we get to today's story, We have some big news, and we are so excited to share it with you. Lindy, go for it. Okay, y'all are familiar with Discover Your Story. We've had a huge response. So many people have purchased the Bible study. We have now broken it into two books. So Discover Your Story, we have pulled out the writing section and called it Discover Your Story. It's a supplement to our Bible study, which is now called When When God God Shows Shows Up. (laughs) Because we want to tell you when God showed up in these women's life, everything changed because God changes everything. And so we are excited that now we have When God Shows Up, an eight-week podcast Bible study, and Discover Your Story, which is the story writing supplement. When God Shows Up is $15. Discover Your Story is eight. If you buy the bundle, it's $20 at storytellerslive.org. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too, Lindy. And you know, one of the things that we have heard, especially from, we've had churches go through this in their women's ministry, and just the walls that are being broken down within the local church has been incredible. I mean, so often we go to church on Sunday, we see women and we're like, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? (laughs) And nobody takes off any mask. You don't really have time to, you know, right at church. But this takes you to another level of realness, of vulnerability because you're listening to women be real and vulnerable as they share their story on the podcast. You go through scripture related to that podcast, and then you meet with your small group. And it's amazing how quickly those walls are broken down. And as Robin has said many times, when somebody shares their story, you're like, oh my gosh, I never knew that about you. Yes. And you know, we've had several churches go through this already from from 15 women to 100. I mean, and you can do this in so many different ways. You can bulk order and then have people break up into small groups to discuss. Some have done it generationally, where either the same age, some have mixed it up where it's older women and younger women. And you can have a Wednesday night get together where everybody goes through everything and then have a small breakout session at someone's house. There's so many ways to do this within your church. And what's really exciting for us is that this August, Tupelo, Mississippi is actually doing a conference. And so they have women coming. They can buy the Bible study there, but they're actually going through it this entire fall. And so they're kicking it off with a woman from their church sharing her story. And and then they're going to go through when God shows up this fall. The Your Story Matters Retreat is, is what we're calling that event. And if you want to register for that, you can mm-hmm. go to the orchard.net slash events. So the Your Story Matters Retreat, August 21st in Tupelo, Mississippi. We would love to see you there. Yes, because all are welcome. And that's just one way that you can use when God shows up within your church. And so if you have questions, we would love for you to reach out to us at info at storytellerslive.org. And we will gladly help your church get set up, like I said, with either a bulk order. If you're interested in doing a conference, we can give you some ideas and some different ways churches have done things. That's right. That's right, Robin. The main thing we want to do is to help women's ministries grow within those church walls. And so we're so excited about partnering with churches this fall. My name is Allie Michelle, and I was one of the first storytellers 
pre-podcast. And Robin is a dear friend who I have had the pleasure to walk alongside of. Literally, we used to walk the streets and watch her dream with the Lord until storytellers turn into a reality. So it is a joy and a pleasure to be here today and share my story. I love to share my story because it's so much bigger than me. And it always reminds me of the supernatural goodness of God. I grew up here in Birmingham, Alabama, and I had wonderful Christian parents. And as a matter of fact, I have two dads. My mom divorced when I was about three years old and remarried, and I have a wonderful stepdad and have a great relationship with my family. And we grew up in church, and I was raised to know God and learned so much good things from my parents. But divorce was hard on my brother and I. My older brother, Dylan, was only 20 months older than me, and there was something extraordinary about our relationship. One reason, I think, is because of going through divorce and just a lot of the struggles that we had through those years, and our family really didn't talk about those things, but we could talk about those things together. And we just always at night would just talk about stuff. And specifically, we would talk about the Lord. And my brother was a very spiritual person. And so we were always talking about Jesus, even from a young age. And I really grew up in his shadow. He was the type of person that if you met him, he made an impression on you. He was just, he was funny, he was kind, but people just loved him. And I mean, in high school, he was friends with the skaters and the hippies and the gangsters and uh, the jocks. I mean, everybody loved him. He had an awesome personality and people were just drawn to him. He was also the center of our family. And I was more shy and reserved and you could definitely say insecure. And so naturally, I followed in his footsteps, and I loved following in his footsteps. I was even known as Dylan's little sister, and I just loved it. I was fine. You don't even have to know my name. I can be Dylan's little sister because that worked out well for me. But truly, my identity was wrapped up in him. And But as far back as I can remember, I believed in God, and I love Jesus. And I have this desire from a very early age, just to know God and to talk about God and to talk to others about the Lord. And I had a desire to be good. And I wanted to be good so much. I wanted adults to think I was good. I wanted my friends to think I was good. And in most of my classes, I was kind of the teacher's pet. And I babysat for tons of families in my neighborhood because all the moms and dads liked me. And I just wanted everybody to see how good I was. And and in about the eighth grade, I was in church and I was in the very back. And I just felt the Lord calling me to come forward and to give my life to him. And it was so strong that my entire body was shaking. And it, at that time, I was still this very shy person. But I was like, I got to get up and I got to answer the call. And I walked forward in front of what felt like hundreds and hundreds of people, and it felt like they were all these perfect people. And here I was going forward, letting everyone see, yes, I want to give my life to the Lord. 
the irony in that is that shortly after was when my life took a very sharp turn in the wrong direction. Like I said, I wanted to talk to others about Jesus, and I wanted other people to know about God. And I had some friends at the time that had started getting into some trouble, and I was worried about it. And so I went to the library back before we had Google, and I checked out four or five books on drugs because I wanted to teach my friends about drugs and the dangers of drugs and that we shouldn't be doing drugs and we shouldn't, you know, I wanted to warn them. And I can even remember taking notes on my own just to learn about this stuff. And I was really excited about the idea. But one morning, while those very books were in my locker, my little eighth grade boyfriend was in the gym. This was before school started. And he was talking to this girl. And I can remember feeling jealous and thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to go over there and see what's going on. And when I got over there, he told me that he was buying LSD from this girl. And I did not know what it was. I knew it was a drug. I knew it was wrong. But he said, she's going to get some this weekend and it's only $5. And just to be a part, I said yes. And I gave her $5 and she wrote my name in a notebook. And it was just a few short hours later when the principal came to get me out of my class. And they had called the police and drug dogs had come to the school. They never found any drugs, but it didn't take long and I was expelled from school. The fallout of that, um, the story was on the news. It was in the newspaper. All those families that I babysat for in my neighborhood were so angry. They sent us hate mail. And it was absolutely just the worst thing I could ever imagine happening. And the worst part of it all was the suspicions that I had about myself were proved true to me. And I bought into the lie that I could never be good enough for God to the point that I believed it was too hard to try. And as I grew up, that lie continued to snowball in my life, and I was searching for whatever I could find to fill the void of not being good enough. I really wanted more than just an ordinary life, but I was looking in all the wrong ways to find all the wrong things. I was looking through unhealthy relationships, alcohol, drugs, you name it. I continued to follow my brother, who was also searching. And he had very similar struggles that I did. And we followed music and bands around. And eventually, my brother in his early 20s met his wife, Melissa, who also became like a real sister to me. And my relationship with her was just as close as mine was with my brother. And she was just someone that believed in me and loved me. And together, they they were bluegrass musicians. And... When they had a son, their lives truly became all about him. And I watched my brother's life change. And what God was doing in my brother's life was beyond anything that I could understand at that time. I loved going to hear live music and shows because it was an environment where I felt maybe a little accepted and free. And at heart, I am really a free spirit. But I lived with this nagging feeling of shame and guilt and unworthiness and not belonging because the freedom that I was looking for was not there. And there was always this void in my heart and this struggle with my self-worth. And 
just where I belonged. And I would write in my journal all the time, Lord, I am so sorry for who I am. I am so sorry for the things that I'm doing. I will do better. I will try harder. I will not do this. I will do that. Just all the way down to what I was eating, I was just trying so hard to correct from the outside in who I was. And when I was 27 years old, I was set up on a blind date and I met Kurt. And I have to say within one minute of meeting him, I absolutely knew that he would be my husband. And overall, my brother had never approved of anybody I had dated. But Kurt and I spent a lot of time with Dylan and Melissa. And he, uh, after a couple months, called my mom and he said, I just can't find anything wrong with this guy. Like he, I think he's the one. And it was just a few days later on July 1st, 2004, I was getting ready to go on a trip to the beach and um, I got a phone call from the Murphy County Sheriff's Department in North Carolina. My brother and his wife and their son were on a trip or were on their way out of town and there had been an accident. And a guy on the other side of the road crossed the median and hit them. He had fallen asleep at the wheel. And he hit them head on. And he and my brother and his wife both died in the accident and their dog. And their son was in critical condition and only three years old. In that moment, when found out the news, my um, I just went into shock. And I can just remember over and over just saying, not my brother, not my brother. No, not my brother. I mean, when my brother would skin his knee. Or I remember when he had a little motorcycle accident. I mean, I would hurt for him. And I could not imagine losing him in such a tragic way and his wife too. My parents immediately flew to be with my nephew and I was left to kind of deal with all the things and to prepare for a funeral and all the things that have to be taken care of. And one of the things that I had to do was um, my uncle had gone to get all the stuff out of the car. And I really wanted to salvage some of that stuff because it was really important things like their instruments. And I really wanted to get my brother's mandolin because he had handmade it. He had built it and it took him months to build. And I knew that was something I could keep for his son. And so I walked into that garage. I had a few people with me and I can just remember feeling almost like the the feeling of death. It was like um, everything was wet. It had been rained on and it had an odor to it and there was glass all over, all over everything. And this was just a few days after the accident. And it was just this overwhelming feeling. And I saw the case to the mandolin and I thought, surely it, it's okay. The case looked fine. But when I opened the case, the mandolin was crushed and it was the moment that I think it all the weight of what was happening hit me. And it was like I was looking at my brother and he was broken and crushed. But there was this little tiny yellow piece of paper underneath the mandolin. And I pulled it out and I opened it up and I read it out loud. And this is when everything changed. And this is what it said. I'm going to read it to you. It was a song that my brother was working on. And these are the words. Walking down the river's side... He is with me, falling down, one with the ground all around. The sun is sinking low, the crescent moon does glow. Now I know all the pain deep inside, that day it died. So young, life had just begun, an only sun. Smile so bright, light up the night. Flying high into the sky, and I'm all right. 
all this pain, it's all right. Even Jesus cried. When it's time to go, we have a home down the golden road. Where life was sown so long ago, there we glow. All this pain, it has died. Jesus is by my side. There he stands, shining bright, and I'm all right. So rest, my friends, let the rest begin. Let the rest begin, because there is no end. Let the rest begin. And as I read that out loud, I can't really put into words exactly what happened, other than I just felt the presence and the Spirit of the Lord fall on all of us that were there. And at that very moment, fireworks started to go off outside of my uncle's house. And it was like these big, huge, loud fireworks, the most beautiful I had ever seen. And we ran out the door just to see them. And I sat down in this chair because I was so overwhelmed at what I had just read and what was happening. And I began to finally open my heart and to let out the hurt and the pain and the fear of losing my brother. And my my brother's friend was there and he came to pray for me. And he this is all while the fireworks were going on. And he laid his hands on me and I would just let out the grief and the hurt and the Lord would just feel, fill me up. And it was like I kind of lost what was going on around me. And I, I have to explain it this way, where if you took one tiny grain of sand and you measured it with all the sand in the whole world, I believe the Lord gave me a glimpse into heaven. And in that tiny glimpse, I have to say, even though it was that tiny, it was, I felt enough love to last me many lifetimes. And in that moment, I saw that my nephew was going to be okay. And the Lord showed me that he would live and that he had a calling and a, a destiny for his life. And in that moment, It's like I could see that my brother and my sister-in-law were in heaven with God, and there was this amazing celebration going on. And I cannot describe with my words, but what they were experiencing in heaven was beyond anything that we can fathom. And I so deeply saw that it was because of what Jesus did on the cross. He took all their sins, all their mistakes, everything they had ever done wrong, and he took it on himself so that they could be there forever and ever. And I could just feel the magnitude of that. And it was like I was having this dialogue with God. And that's when all that stuff surfaced in my heart. And it was almost like I said, wait, God, what about all of my sins? What about all the things? And I could just imagine all the things that I had done wrong that I felt had separated me from him. And all those things just came rising up in my heart. And that is when I felt more love and more acceptance than I could ever imagine. And I heard the Lord tell me that he thought I was beautiful. And it was so real. It was more real than anything I knew around me. And again, it was so much love in my heart that I just wanted to offer him something. And looking back, I can see that all I had was my shame and my guilt and my brokenness and this void in my heart. All I had was more sadness than you could ever imagine. And the crazy thing is, is that that is all that he wanted. And he filled me with hope in that glimpse. And he showed me. I saw it so clearly that this life is so short. We are just here for a little while. And then we are there with him in eternity forever. 
And I realized in that moment that this life is all about him. It's not about me. It's about him. And I was amazed later when I saw that that was in scripture in James 4, 14. This life is but a mist. You are here for a while and then you vanished. I saw in that moment that no matter what, he had every single thing that I needed. He always has and he always will. And I saw that it was about, it's not about someday heaven. It's about heaven now. And we are a part of a kingdom that's beyond this world. And it's not just about what we do. It's about who we are in him. And I know that in that moment, my eyes open to heaven and I will never again see life on earth the same. John 8.32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And that day I got set free by the truth. I had been carrying so much shame that I did not want anyone to see me. And I fully surrendered to God and allowed him to take all of that from me. And After that, I knew that I had to speak at my brother and his wife's funeral. I knew that the Lord had put something in me that I had to share. And before then, I was nervous to speak in front of five people, but I could not get up there fast enough. And I just wanted to tell everybody about him because I had been wrong about who he was. And that was 16 years ago. And I can honestly say that I have sought him with all of my heart since. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and when you feel fully loved and accepted by God, you never want to feel separated from Him again. And all of those things that I wrote in my journal about changing, the things that I was using to fill the void paled in comparison to His presence and His love. And that cycle of sin in my life was broken. And I've learned that we don't try to fix our behavior to get to God that we allow God's love to work that out. After the accident, there were people everywhere praying for their son, and he had life-threatening injuries. He had a brain injury. He had a fractured skull. He had multiple lacerations, and the list goes on, not to mention the emotional trauma. But within a few days, he everything turned around. And there was a moment in the hospital when my parents saw him and he squeezed their hand and they knew that he was going to be okay. And he absolutely is. And after the accident, a few months after the accident, I went to the site where it had happened. And it, it wasn't on the report. It wasn't marked exactly where it was. So me and a couple of friends were just driving, kind of trying to figure it out. And I and it's out in this in the country in this beautiful area and I looked up and there was a billboard and it said we need to talk God and I was like okay well I think we're getting close and um all of a sudden I we we drove a, a, another minute and I look over and it's like the trees there were pine trees and all I it's like my vision um changed and all I could see were crosses everywhere in the trees and I just pulled over And we just started to walk and I looked down the embankment and there was two crosses that my brother's friend had made and had found where it had happened and he had put the crosses and there was still stuff everywhere. It looked like there had been an explosion Um, and it was obviously very tough. But the um, amazing thing was that a car drove up and it was a police car and pulled over and it was the chaplain 
that had been there the day of the accident that knew what had happened. And I had a lot of questions for him to know um, what had happened and how to help their son so that um, I wanted to know what he experienced. Um, So he was conscious. And um, after the accident, he did not ever, he didn't specifically say things, but each day I would use these puppets to talk to him. And he did, at one point, he shared with me some things that happened on that day. And he remembered them putting a blanket over the car. And the trauma from that, um, he couldn't get his face wet. I think it reminded him of that day, um, the sound of sirens, all the things that you can imagine would trigger those memories. And I can remember before the accident, he would color, but after he would just scribble and he was so angry when he would look in the mirror, the trauma was so real that there really wasn't a counselor or a therapist or anyone that really even knew how to help because it was just so extreme. And we truly, I mean, I had nowhere to go. And so every day it was just me and him at home trying to figure out how to move forward in life. And there were days that he would not come out from under the kitchen table. There were days I couldn't get him to get dressed. There were days that the struggle was beyond anything I can even imagine. And I really had no idea what to do. And I, at that time, I had two worship CDs. And so I would go and put on this worship CD and my parents had speakers that played throughout the house and I would just turn it up and I would just wait for the Lord to come because the only thing I had was him. And so this, the Lord would just come and we could feel his presence and we would literally go from weeping and mourning and and hurting to joy. And we would run around and we would dance and we would sing and we would worship. And God was healing us and he was all we had. And I think part of why I've been able to walk through these last 16 years um, and the other trials that I have faced is because I had to learn to be totally dependent on the Lord because there really wasn't anyone else that we could lean on to help us. Eventually, Kurt and I did get married, and the biggest dream that I had was to be a mother. And without any doubt, my brother's son is who made me a mother in my heart. And we had to battle infertility and all kinds of things for us to have our own children. And God blessed me with two more, a boy and a girl. And there are so many amazing things that he did in my life through having them and waiting on them and just the miracles that they are. And I've been a stay-at-home mom, and it has been amazing. But for years, I've known that God was leading me to do something else, but I just wasn't sure what it was. And in 2019, I started writing and just allowing the Lord to lead me and flow through me. And I really wasn't sure what I was doing at first. I knew I had a message that I wanted to share, but I had no idea how to do that. And I really couldn't see the big picture. And I think that's because the Lord knows if he gave me the big picture, I'd probably take it into my own hands and just do it on my own, which then it wouldn't have been any good. But um, but eventually I just started writing 
And those writings turned into a book, and that book is called Citizens of Heaven, and it has a lot of my testimony in it, but it's really everything that I wished I had known when I was growing up. Back to that eighth grade little girl, it's a guidebook for preteens and teens, and it's even just for parents to help them to talk to their kids about these issues because it's such a hard thing. And our kids are facing so many things today um, in regard to drugs and alcohol and God's design for sex and sexuality and pornography and the dangers of the internet. And all those things are covered in my book. But the main point of my book is relationship over rules because we can know the rules all day long and that is not enough. And my prayer is that my book would be used to teach parents and children how to walk with God. It's pretty amazing that the desire I had in eighth grade was actually real and from the Lord. And only now am I able to speak from a place of love and truth and identity in Christ. I look back and I can see everything that was stolen, even by my own choices and my own sin. But I know that God has redeemed all of that in my life. And I believe the Lord told me that what the enemy stole from me and from my family, he will take back for the thousands. Since that day where I saw a glimpse of heaven, I have not had a perfect life. There has been troubles and there have been trials and struggles and there has been grief and loss and pain watching my oldest suffer with the loss of his parents, um, a loss that I can't fix, that I can't take away. 2019 was a hard year for my family for several reasons, and we faced unexpected challenges. My son my it was nine years old at the time, and he was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease. And I heard the doctors say things like, this is something that he will have for life. This is something that he will always struggle with. This is, um, and it was very unexpected, but I also heard the Lord say, no, this is something I will heal him from. And I'm still standing on that promise and believing for that. Um, Jesus said that we would have trouble in this world. He also said to take heart, or basically he said, it's going to be okay. Because he overcame so that we could overcome anything, no matter how scary, no matter how chaotic, or no matter how bad it is. And through all of these things, one thing has been steadfast. One thing has been faithful. One thing has been true, and that's Jesus. And especially in the midst of the trials and tragedies, he has never once let me down. Even in my grief, it was hard, and it, it can still be hard, but he's always right there, and I'm never alone. My relationship with the Lord outweighs any trial that I could ever go through. And a verse that he has really been speaking to me lately is 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. And it says, we view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. When we see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. After the accident, I learned to fix my eyes on Jesus, to seek heaven 
And I was obsessed with heaven because my brother was there and I wanted to know all about it. And I can tell you when we get there, we are going to wonder and wish we had done everything down here for the Lord. We are going to look back at the little things and think, why do we waste our time on all of that? All the insignificant things. Even I do that still. But when I think about heaven, I realize what matters and what's important. Um, As I seek the kingdom and his righteousness, I can rest in the fact that he sees me as righteous through his son, Jesus. And as I yield my life to him and delight in his ways, and I spend time with the king of all the earth, the great I am, the one who sits on the throne, the one who's above all darkness and all principalities in the heavenly places, the one who loves little old me enough that he died so I could be good in his sight. I am fulfilled and I am not lacking anything, no matter the circumstances. God will literally move heaven and earth for you. When you open your heart and your eyes to him, you can hear from him and you can see him and you can not only believe, but you can experience signs and wonders and miracles. I wish I could have time to share all the signs and wonders and miracles that I saw surrounding my brother's accident. Leading up to it and after it, God was right there doing amazing things in the midst of it. And I am still a free spirit, free to be who I am in Him, free to abandon everything that holds me back in worship and prayer, free to believe for the biggest and wildest things, free to pray for others in their brokenness and sickness, and free to not worry what everybody thinks about me. I'm still working on that totally, but free to be who I am in Christ. And I see now that my purpose is all about partnering with God and allowing Him to move in my life that in ways that are astounding and awesome and amazing. And the last thing that I want to share is a special surprise that God gave me about eight months after the accident. I had moved home to live with my parents. I sold my house and quit my job because I wanted to take care of my nephew. And it was a really hard time. And I was living out of boxes and having a really tough day. And the crazy thing is I had gotten all the stuff that my brother and my sister-in-law had written me or, or given me, and I had put it in a special place. But there was one thing that I had never remembered seeing before. And in 2001, my brother had taken a trip to Costa Rica. And apparently, um, he had written this and I had never seen it. And so here I am in my parents' basement and I'm looking for something and I'm really struggling. And all of a sudden, all these papers fall out and one thing stands out. And I look down and I can see my brother's handwriting on it. And it's a postcard. And on one side is a picture of a volcano erupting, and it says Costa Rica. And on the other side, this is what it says. It says, Allie, I want you to know that I love you very much. Of all the people I will miss, I will miss you the most. You are my first friend, and you are my best friend. The light that surrounds you is huge and bright like a volcano. You have the power to heal others, and in this, we heal ourselves. I will see you real soon. Your best friend. I love you, Dylan. And he drew a little picture on there and it says Jesus. And it says you have touched a thousand souls, but it says 
to Princess Allison from Prince Dylan, 777 Jesus Lane, Heaven, Heaven. So I got a postcard from heaven that my brother had addressed to me that I do not ever remember seeing. And the Lord brought it to me at the right time on the right day, and it will forever be my most my most treasured thing. Um, God is just that good. And that's my story. We hope that y'all are enjoying our listener favorites this summer. We are enjoying our six-week break as well. And we can't wait to be back with you, though, on August 18th. That's right. But if you want some new content, you can always head over to patreon.com forward slash STL community. For 5 or $10 a month, you can join and get bonus stories. You can get stories within the story, and you can get some discovery guide, Bible study sheets. So we hope that you'll join today. And we want to get social with you. So follow <laughs> follow us on all social media channels at Storytellers Live Podcast. You can also go to our website at storytellerslive.org and sign up for our weekly email. We only send one a week. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye.